I got my job by accident. A sycamore tree landed on the roof of my predecessor's 4x4 during a thunderstorm. He spent six months in a neck brace. He shouldn't have been in the car, said the boss, Gerald, during my interview. We work in all weather. Gerald is pigeon-toed with an aquiline nose and crow's feet around his hooded brown eyes, a caricature of an ornithologist. He even picks at his food. He's a Princeton professor now. Back then, he was a PhD candidate, surveying the effects of habitat fragmentation on neotropical migrant songbirds in south-central Indiana. A mutual acquaintance named Lola had introduced us. All Gerald wanted to know was whether I could read a topographical map and identify common trees. I said I could. Prove it, he said. We looked at a map together and took a stroll through the Indiana University campus Arboretum, which was slightly unfair since they weren't common trees. But time was short, and with the success rate south of 50%, I still got the job. Memorize these, he said removing an unmarked cassette from his shirt pocket. It was birdsong. That is what he listened to on his car stereo, too. And Nathan, he added, to be in the field by 5 a.m., you probably want to set your alarm for 4.30. Want is not the verb I'd have chosen. I was to work six days a week. I was lucky he didn't test me on other things I would need to know. Trigonometry, for example or what to do when you're 12 miles from shelter and the sky turns soup green. Indiana doesn't claim the most tornadoes annually in the United States, just the deadliest. This is partly a function of the number of trailer parks and mobile homes scattered throughout the state. God hates white trash, is the vile refrain you hear everywhere after a lethal twister. Lola, I said. How do you know Gerald? I had found it better not to ask Lola how she knew other men, but Gerald seemed a safe bet. He didn't have time for girls. He saved my starlings from my cat, she said. She had a nest in the eaves of the one-bedroom house she rented. He lives next door. So they fledged, I said. She had showed the nest to me one morning after I had scrambled some eggs, and she had brewed some coffee, and we sat at a little table on her front porch. But she usually came to my house, and I asked her about Gerald there over pancakes she had made. She used orange juice in the batter, which may seem counterintuitive, but can't be beat. Virgil watched the nest for days, she said. Virgil was the cat. I dreaded it, but I didn't know what to do. Then one afternoon, this skinny bearded guy was hopping around in the yard with Virgil chasing him. He moved them to his yard and said the parents would do the rest if I could keep Virgil on my patch. But how did you get on the subject of the bird job, I said. He seemed sort of lost, she said. I thought he lived next door. I made him some banana bread to say thanks, she said. He just stood in the door blinking as though nobody ever gave him such a thing. That may have been accurate, but I suspected that he had never encountered anyone as lovely as Lola before. Her charm lay not in her husky voice or delicate face or fluid figure, but in the way that all these things reflected her intense and genuine pleasure in seeing you. I would like to make that seeing me, but she wasn't very discriminating. She had long coppery hair and freckled arms and calm blue eyes, but I think that was only when I looked at her. She could make herself instantly into anything you wanted to see.
I pictured Gerald squirming under all the flattering attention she could put in a single glance. After that, he crawled back under his rock, she said, of course. So I invited him over once. I had some friends around, and I asked if he would like to join us. When was this? I said. I wanted to know which friends. She ignored the question. He didn't show, and I got kind of bored with my party, everyone talking about concerts they had been to, so I grabbed a couple of beers and slipped out. We sat on his front porch for almost an hour. That might be the longest Gerald ever sat in one place, I said. About once a week I go over and have a beer on his porch, she said. We talk. Do you throw him toast in the morning? She scowled. She was not always honest, but she was never rude. I've only been in his house once, she said. He has a sofa and two bird books. That's all. I feel sorry for him. The last man Lola felt sorry for proposed to her. Still, Gerald was Gerald, and I didn't worry about that. On June 22nd of that summer, between 5 and 11 in the morning, I found 12 nests. That's more than most people accomplish in a lifetime. Two were Kentucky warblers, and one was an oven bird. The females of both species are deeply crafty. Locating their nests is not a question of looking carefully around. You have to outsmart them. The male, off bragging somewhere, gives you some idea of what territory they claim. Within that territory, the female is keeping an eye out for people like you, or foxes, raccoons, and hawks like you. You won't spot her on the nest. A Kentucky warbler is bright yellow, but her nest is partially enclosed, and an oven bird's camouflage is perfect, and she holds very still unless you get within six inches or so.